Hello, Iterative Marketers. Welcome to the Iterative Marketing Podcast, where each week we give marketers and entrepreneurs actionable ideas, techniques, and examples to improve your marketing results. If you want notes and links to the resources discussed on the show, sign up to get them emailed to you each week at iterativemarketing.net. There you'll also find the Iterative Marketing blog and our community LinkedIn group where you can share ideas and ask questions of your fellow Iterative Marketers. Now let's dive into the show. Hello and welcome to the Iterative Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Robinson, and with me as always is the tenacious and perseverant Elizabeth Aaron. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? I'm well. How are you, Steve? I'm great. I'm great. This is... uh... Tis the season for uh, New Year's resolutions now that we're uh, finally past the holidays, right? Yes, yes. A uh, few weeks into the year. So um, did you make any resolutions and how is it going so far? So I generally, I'm, I'm one of those people that's always trying to improve myself, right? So I don't mm-hmm. really, like I have resolutions all year long that I fail on rather than just all at once at the beginning of the year. Uh, but in this instance, uh, unfortunately, one of those, like, like I had an anti-New Year's resolution this year. Really? So uh, in December, well, probably around November, I fell off in going to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. And just because things got busy with the holidays and, and life and business and everything seemed to gang up on me to keep me from going. And then I fell off the wagon. And in December, uh, I'm like, okay, holiday madness is going to end. I can get back on the wagon to start going to the gym. And then I started thinking about all of the droves of people that go to the gym in January and mm-hmm. how miserable it is. And it totally deterred me from actually starting to go back to the gym in January. So I almost had an anti-New Year's resolution in that I decided I was going to procrastinate on starting going back to the gym until February, if nothing more out of convenience. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I also had a New Year's Year's resolution of uh, leading a healthier lifestyle, although my working out did not kind of stop or slow down in in November. I think mine slowed down more in August. So I've got (laughs) some ground to make up. Um, But yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. My other one is um, I had two. So working, leading a healthier lifestyle, not necessarily working out, but leading a healthier lifestyle. Um, And two, I have, we've talked about this before, but I buy books. I buy books Mm -hmm. by the drove and I don't read them as quickly as I buy them. So I put my stack of books on my nightstand and I am making sure I read a certain number of chapters every night, no matter how tired I am, so that I can start getting through these books. So those are my, those are my new, my new year's resolutions this year. So if you're reading a certain number of chapters, regardless of how tired you are, the goal then is to get through the books, not to necessarily remember anything that you read? Well, um, very rarely is my tiredness a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I end up reading more, but it's easy to say, oh, I'm too tired tonight. And instead, I'm just going to watch some TV or play on Got my it. you know, iPad. So it's no, it's always the book, not other technology. So. so then you get into it and you're like, no, I'm not that tired at all. This is really interesting. Oh, wait, that was too late. I should have been asleep an hour ago. Except for um, I've been reading this book literally, I think I've been reading it for a year and a half. It's um, uh, it's it's nonfiction, and um, it's about this blizzard that hit the Midwest in the 1800s, and literally getting through a chapter is like it takes it takes a long time to get through a chapter. So my goal is I, just, I need to finish that book. It's called The Children's Blizzard. It's very interesting, but... Oh my goodness. It is like the slowest going book I've ever read in my life. So that's, if I could finish that one, that would be a huge accomplishment. Excellent. Well, keep us posted. Yeah. Yeah. 
What are we actually talking about today? Yes, yes. So um, today we are talking about uh, our Grow and Give Journey States. And this sort of concludes this deep dive series that we've been doing. We started with C, Move to Think and Move to Do, and now we're in our final portion where we talk about Grow and Give. And we've kind of got a normal rhythm to these sorts of, to this series. So we we start talking about um, uh, what is what do goals look like and, and objectives behind the Grow and Give Journey States. What are we trying to accomplish with our audience? What sort of content do we need for each of these journey states? We'll talk about the targeting, and then last but certainly not least, we'll discuss measurement and what metrics and KPIs are most important and why. So before we dive into Grow and Give, let's just give a quick overview for anyone who may be tuning in and this is the first deep dive episode they listen to, or um, since we've split this up and, and had other podcasts in between, just as a quick reminder. So when we take a look um, at our journey states, if you are looking for some high-level coverage, I recommend checking out episode 16, or if you'd prefer a, a sort of a, a quicker overview, Steve wrote a phenomenal blog called See, Think, Do, A Framework for Understanding Your Prospect State of Being, and that really summarizes all of the journey states very concisely. And thank you for the compliment. We will mm-hmm. link to that blog blog post in the uh, in the show notes. Um, but we'll run through the different journey states really quickly here just to give you the top level definition of each one. So when we look at our C state, those are individuals who are qualified. They could buy our products or our services, but they're not even close to being in market at this particular point in time, or they're, they've got a vendor that they're happy with and they're not looking at all to change vendors. We do a deep dive of C-State in episode 23. When we look at our think state, these are prospects that are qualified and thinking about purchasing or changing vendors, but they don't necessarily have a timeline or a commitment to do so. And we talk about this in in depth in episode 27. Then some of our prospects will move into do state. And these are people that are not only qualified um, and, and they're interested in our product or service, but they made a commitment to themselves or to somebody else, or they have a de- definite time frame in which they're going to make a purchase or, or vendor change. We talk about this in episode 31. And finally, we get to what we're talking about today, grow and give. Um, now, these are sort of different. When we're talking about see, think, and do, those were, the pros- those were our prospects and leads. When we get into grow and give, these are our actual customers, our current customers. So grow is sort of that first state, and these are our happy and loyal customers. They're buying from us, and they would choose to buy from us again. And we call it grow because these prospects have an opportunity to grow into our organization. So they can grow their relationship with us, um, becoming not only more loyal, but also um, buying more and different uh, products and services from us along the way. This is different from our great give state where not only are they are they growing into us, but now they've come to know, like, trust, and love us, our brand, to the extent that they want to give back to our brand. So they um, they can give back to us, whether it's referrals or reviews or just social advocacy, but they are, they're eager to help us out. And see, I'm sure we can all think of brands that, that if asked, we would be glad to help out because they, they mean something to us. And as we talk through this today, you're going to notice there's a lot of similarities between Grow and Give. And so that's why we've sort of combined this into one episode rather than diving into each of these separately. Yeah, and we'll talk about it later. But Grow could almost be, I mean, Give could almost be looked at as a subset of Grow. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why you want to keep them separate. We'll talk about that later. Why is it important for us to target Grow and Give? You know, that's a really great question. And, and um, I, I think, you know, a lot of times when, when we're talking with customers and, and in, you know, past lives with other companies we've worked with, the first rule of, of a lot of businesses is that it's important to retain current customers and build a loyal following. But a lot of times that's said and it isn't necessarily done. 
Um, and it's really interesting when you start to look at some of the metrics. Um, it, 63% of marketers felt that new customer acquisition is the most important advertising goal. But that doesn't necessarily make sense when you look at the fact that companies that uh, companies that are focusing on acquisition more than customer retention can spend up to seven times more to acquire those new customers than to retain their current customers and, and grow that certain that that customer database. Um, and so it's it's get, grow and give are important because it's more profitable for your business. It's better for your business if you focus on retaining and growing these customers rather than always trying to go out and find someone new to add to your database. Yeah, just to just to nail that down a little further, there was a stat we ran across from Bain and Company that said that um, increasing customer retention by only five percent can actually increase profits by up to ninety five percent, and and. Uh, churn or this loss of customers and having to go and re- regain ground on customers is, is, a, is a constant battle. And a lot of organizations are waking up to just exactly how much revenue they're leaving on the table by only only providing one product or service to each customer instead of providing their full suite or, or gambit of services to each customer. But what's funny is is this this growth into the existing customer base, um, customer loyalty and customer retention generally the organizations that we've worked with or worked for in the past see that as a role of customer service or maybe of their distribution channels but not necessarily a a role of the company itself that that uh, and not not a role of sales and marketing it gets passed off to to this this customer service department without any marketing support which i think creates two problems. One, you have a disconnect in that messaging. So you have the marketing messaging, and then all of a sudden you're shifted over to the customer service messaging, which could be entirely different if there isn't any any continuity there. And maybe it's a different brand and a different value prop that's being pushed over on the customer service side. And two, you're just missing a huge opportunity because everything that works well in marketing to obtain that customer can also work very well to continue to grow that customer, to drive referrals, to um, uh, to increase uh, customer loyalty and reduce churn. Definitely. That's a great point. And you know, it's it's hard because yes, it is important to bring new lifeblood into the organization. It's important to bring in those new customers, but n- we don't have to choose one or the other. We don't have to just go after new customers or just retain. We can do both. We just aren't, or a lot of organizations aren't. And it doesn't make sense because the probability of selling to a current customer is much higher than selling to a new prospect. And not only that, um, and I don't have the stat right off the, uh, you know, in my in my head right now, but um, their current customers are going to buy more than the new customers are because, again, they know you've delivered in the past, they're comfortable with you, and so the likelihood of them buying more and at higher values is, is, is much greater. Another reason why just leaving this to customer service to try and do your cross-sells and upsells just doesn't make a whole lot of sense is because it comes back to what we've talked about in previous episodes is that you know your prospects are emotional creatures. They make their buying decisions based on emotion. And so if you're not reinforcing your brand personality, the, the, the aspects of your brand that, that, that made them fall in love with you the first time with your current customers, they're, they're not going to remember why they fell in love with you and they're not going to be as apt to buy more from you. And so it's that, that very same emotional trigger-based marketing that you did to hook them in the first place becomes just as important to retain them and cross-sell them and upsell them. And that's not something that customer service is really designed to do. 
No, and it's it's um, if this is something new for your organization and not something you've done before, um, when we get into the measurement section of, of today's podcast, um, you know, we'll give you some specific metrics that you can use to speak to the the C suite and, and put it in terms that they understand and, and can get behind. But we'll we'll get there in a little bit. So, what are our goals when we're looking at using uh, marketing within the grow state and and, and the give state? Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at grow, really our, our core purpose here is we're looking to reinforce the brand and its key message. And that, that creates a stickiness, right? Mm-hmm. It comes back to that, that, that statement of, uh, I, I, I'm reminded why I fell in love with you in the first place. And, and uh, I can continue down that journey of, of, of building up that, that good emotion and good feel for that brand so that I'm more apt to buy from them in the future. That, in turn, increases revenue and makes this audience more open to upsell and cross-sell messaging, which, in turn, also increases revenue. Mm-hmm. So as a brand component, which is that, that no like, and trust business, mm-hmm. you can also have a direct response component within Grow where we're actually asking this audience to pull out their wallets and give us more money, right? Mm-hmm. And this is measurable. Again, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> How about Give? How is Give a little different? So when we're looking at Give, um, what we're really looking to hear, to do here is make sure that our customers have the tools and messaging to spread the word about our products or services, and not only spread the word, but do so in a language that's in alignment with our brand um, and is motivating them to do that. Right. So when we're, when we're motivating them, we could be motivating them to, to post a referral or to, to refer our, 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 our product or service either online or just in person over the phone or in, you know, in an in-person meeting. It doesn't have to be digital. Um, we're also looking to get more reviews posted to review sites. And this is becoming more and more important, both from an SEO standpoint, but also from just a, a way that buyers buy today. And you're seeing um, even B2B services coming up with review sites today. So reviews are becoming more and more important. And then finally, through social advocacy or amplification. So we post something we want our our most uh, uh, loving customers to go out and and um, share that content. We want them to come to our defenses should somebody uh, badmouth us out online somewhere. Uh, and, and to do so, we need to arm them with, a, with the right messaging to do it. And it's not, um, you know, I think it's important to note here that it's asking isn't isn't a bad thing. It's it's a good thing. We want to ask them. I have multiple brands that I love, but I've got so many other things going on in my life that the last thing on my mind is writing them a referral. But if they ask me to do it, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you've been good to me. I want to be good back to you. And, and especially if they make it easy for me to do by sending me an email and I just have to click a link, um, they've removed some of those barriers and I'm more apt to take that action. So... If those are our goals, what sort of content, either either paid or, or, or organic type of content, do we need to get in front of people in Grow and Give? So when we're talking about Grow, again, we want to reinforce that core brand persona- personality and value so that the, com- the customers remember why it is that they love us. And then we, we, we don't want to stop providing value. So we talked a lot when we talked about uh, uh, particularly uh, see and think states that we really wanted to add value to the the prospects world and we can do that in even greater ways when we get into grow and give because they're customers so we can help them um in in ways that directly touch our product or service in helping them apply our product or service better to better their worlds right so we're adding value to their world at the same time and in doing so, um, we can actually throw in not-so-subtle calls to action for cross-sells and upsells because, hey, here's how you can use our service to better your world. But then if you upgrade to this, you can do it in even better or, 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 or more impactful ways. 
I think, um, you know, we use Slack internally. We're sort of Slack addicts. addicts. Um, and Slack is, is great at this. And if you think about it, if you have never used Slack before and you start hearing about all these features, it's not going to make sense. It's not going to resonate. It's not going to stick with you because you don't know what they're talking about. Um, but Slack has this great way with the Slack bot of, of, you know, weekly updating you with new things that Slack can do. And you become... Um, I guess more and more sucked into the Slack world and realize you can never live without it again. And I, I love what they've done here with their with their grow content. Now, Give is a little bit different. So uh, remember, our Give audience, they already love us. That doesn't mean we don't need to remind them to love us and why they should love us, but they already love us. But we're going to put that brand content in front of them for a slightly different reason in this case. It's because we want them to be armed with that messaging verbatim, if possible, as they go out and, and, and spread the love to others, right? So if they're giving us a referral, we want them to put our brand in the same light that, that we do so that there isn't any dissonance when that referral comes, comes back to our website or picks up the phone and calls us. And while we are doing this, we're going to continue to provide value to these customers while we're encouraging these referrals and reviews and social engagements that are going to extend their brand network. Um, the key there, again, though, is continuing to provide value to these customers. So let's go through some examples of content um, uh, that we could use uh, from a paid or organic standpoint for both Grow and Give. Do you have any examples for Grow, Elizabeth? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the easiest ones out there are uh, email newsletters, and I think MailChimp is is a phenomenal example of this, where they're showing a lot of brand personality and subtle reinforcement of their core value proposition, which is ease of use. Yeah, and uh, I would hope that MailChimp, who centered their the world on email, would know how to do email right. But they actually <laughs> they actually do a really good job of this of of making you you know understand what it more importantly, feel what it feels like to work with MailChimp in every email communication that they send. Um, I think a, a great example of, uh, and we'll link to it in the show notes, of, of sort of the, the, the cross-selling, upselling while adding value. Uh, if you've ever touched a Zoho product, Zoho is a broad suite of products that can all work independently to support a business but they can also work together. And so um, Zoho Post published a, a, a comprehensive blog post on this topic, but they put out other content regularly as well that helps you understand how their products link together and can work together to get people, once you're into the Zoho ecosystem, you buy one product. They don't make any money when you buy one product. It's when you buy like 15 of their products that they start to make money. And so they're, they do a great job of, of of once you're in, getting you cross-sold and upsold on the other Zoho products. Now, these two examples are focused on digital, but our grow content can extend, extend to other channels and other mediums. And I think Sony has a great example of this or provides a great example of this. And um, they had a, an article in a publication recently that uh, talks about the six things you didn't know you could do with PlayStation VR. Now, I'm not a PlayStation person, so um, I can't speak to this necessarily, but what was great about this content is it, it really reinforced the value of, of this product. And not only that, but was sharing with people who were already customers new things that they could do with it that they, that they may not have, have known about. Right, because your grow content doesn't necessarily have to be selling something new. If your customers, or your prospects aren't using the products and services they bought already to their fullest potential, then they're less sticky and they're more apt to go with another product. They may even put down your product and pick up another one for a feature that they didn't know was already in your product, right? So they switched horses because they thought they could get something else that they needed that they could have already gotten with yours if they just had 
inform them on how to use it right. And again, um, this appeared in a in a publication, so this has that third party validity here, where it's not coming from Sony, even though. Based on the article, it probably did come from Sony or Sony was actively involved in it. Um, But the fact that it was published in a different publication just sort of adds that extra level of credibility to it. So let's talk about some examples of, of, of Give content. And here again, on an email side, I think MailChimp does a great job with Give in that um, uh, most of their blog posts, or most of their emails, I'm sorry, not only are uh, helping you use the product uh, better, but they're also reinforcing just that core value proposition of ease of use, as well as being fun and playful in the process in a classic MailChimp sort of way. And so they are um, uh, helping their audience who are avid MailChimp users, um, not only grow into their product under grow, but under give, they're giving them exactly the words and phrases to use to talk about MailChimp in the future. Now, one of the other things we talked about um, in in Give is asking for referrals, and I think Nimble does a great job of this, and that they're regularly asking users to leave reviews on sites. And they even go as far as to mention exactly which boxes to check in the actual review. Yeah, and we'll post a a screen grab of a Nimble email in uh, in, uh, in the show notes as well, so you can take a peek at that. But yeah, it's very specific instructions, easy to follow call to action with a button right there to click to do it. So they're taking all of the friction that they can possibly take out as well as um, letting that person know exactly what you want, want them to say. It goes, you know, it's, it's down to like the simple trick of if you're looking for references um, uh, for yourself personally, either as you go to get a new job or, or in business, you write the reference from the person that you're asking it for and say, hey, uh, can you tweak these words into your own? Because it reduces that friction and you're more likely to get the reference. You can do the same thing as a business and say, hey, here's where you need to click. Here's some examples of what some other people wrote. Can you please write something nice about us? And, and they're, they're going to do it. So, Steve, let me ask you a question, because as we're talking about this, um, something I'm, our listeners might, might be wondering is, um, you know, typically when we're talking about journey states, we only want to target and send content and messaging to one journey state at a time. But when we're talking about grow and give, these are current customers. And obviously, we want to keep upselling to them and, and cross-selling to them. But if they're ready to give a referral, we want to ask for that, too. Can someone receive both grow and give content? Uh, the, the short answer is yes, but in reality, you want to you want to take a look at priorities because um, you have a, a finite audience of customers, and there's only so many times you can ask them to do something before you're gonna you're gonna hit some level of fatigue with that, right? And if you look at what are the benefits of an, an incremental increase in, in in revenue off of one customer. Um, that has an impact once, but if you can turn a customer uh, into a true advocate and get them to refer more business to you or close more sales, that can have a far greater impact from a revenue standpoint than simply you know growing into an existing customer. So it makes sense to prioritize and take your give audience, if you can identify them, and ask them to post the reviews, to give the referrals, and do those activities that are going to have longer lasting, greater impact, and then focus your your grow asks of growing into the product to your grow audience and and get the most out of out of those limited opportunities you have to approach your customer base and ask them for more. And I think that the reason that that, that works so well 
is because when we look at effective content for Grow and Give, there's overlap between the two. Um, you know, in both cases, it needs to, the content needs to be reinforcing brand personality and core value propositions. So we don't have a dissonance there. We've got, you know, equal playing field that we're trying to accomplish the same thing with both Grow and Give content. We're also making sure that our content is making an ask. And not only is the ask uh, clear and obvious, but we've given them a path to accomplish what that ask is, um, whether it's providing the, what the next steps are to make that next purchase or, um, you know, like the nimble example where we have a button and we say, just click here to leave us a review. We also want to create a sense of urgency if possible. And so you look at things like um, this is where you might have a special insider sale for your existing customers, but it has a definitive end date to get them to cross sell or upsell into another product. Uh, or in the case of, of an ask for a referral or a, a, a review, maybe you incentivize that with a, a token gift card, but you have to do it by a certain date in order to get it. Now, that's not going to be possible in every scenario, but there will be scenarios where it is possible and it, um, you know, and it feels right for your brand. And so you'll have to sort of take that on a case by case basis. And then just like we do um, uh, on the uh, uh, in, in, in think and do content where we're reinforcing the the why with more rational, logical examples, when we're doing cross sells and upsells, we have to do remember to do the same thing there. So they already love us, hopefully. Um, we're looking to to get them to continue to grow into our brand, but then we also need to back that up with some rational decision making, so that if asked as to why they why they did this by their spouse or by their boss or by a colleague, they actually have some some rational basis for 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 why they why they bought into your brand further. Yeah, it looks really cool. Doesn't doesn't go over well. I can I can attest to that as having a conversation with my husband about that recently. <laughs> Um, so when we talk about content differing, um, really, like I said, when we started talking about this is that they're very similar. Um, the brand standpoint is the same. And in both cases, we're looking to add value or provide utility. Um, where we're really seeing a difference here is in the call to action. Yeah. So when you're creating like a customer newsletter, you know, 80% of it's going to be the same. It's just going to be that that bright, shiny call to action that you're going to want to swap out. And you can do that with a personalization or simply establishing two different lists of your most loyal customers versus your your ones that you just want them to buy more from you. I think that this brings us to a good point for a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk about um, how we actually execute this at a tactical level as far as targeting goes, as well as how we measure measure for success. So let's take a moment and go help some people. Before we continue, I'd like to take a quick moment to ask you iterative marketers a small but meaningful favor and ask that you give a few dollars to a charity that's important to one of our own. This week, an anonymous donor from Arizona has asked that you make a donation to Books for Africa, an organization that collects, sorts, ships, and distributes books to students of all ages in Africa. Over the past 12 months, the charity has sent 2.4 million books, 665 computers, and 200 e-readers containing 1.6 million digital books to 21 African countries. Learn more at booksforafrica.org or visit the link in the show notes. If you would like to submit your cause for consideration for our next podcast, please visit iterativemarketing.net slash podcast and click the share a cause button. We love sharing causes that are important to you. And we're back. So before the break, we talked about the goals behind uh, targeting our th- grow and give states, as well as um, 
some examples of some content or what that might look like uh, to do so. But we didn't talk about how to deliver that content. Uh, and I think that that would be a good starting point here. So how do, how do we get this content in, the, in front of the right eyeballs of our either grow or, or, or give audience? Um, how do you want to do it? Because when we start talking about our current customers, the sky is the limit. We have so many ways to reach them. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've talked about this in a few of our examples, but email marketing is, in my mind, the most obvious choice. Yeah, we have, I think with most of these tactics, it's going to be database driven. We have a database of these folks, um, hopefully, although not always if you have a complex distribution model. We'll talk about that later. But hopefully you have a database of your customers. And so there's a lot of unique ways to pinpoint your your messaging down to exactly who you want to get in front of. Um, email is obvious. Direct mail, um, it's not dead. There are opportunities to use this very effectively. Um, certainly test and see if it works with your audience or not. Um, but it can be relatively inexpensive because your audience is only your customer base, not the world. Uh, and then if you're a little bit more progressive, another way to just reach out and directly touch someone is, is uh, SMS or mobile messaging. And uh, we're seeing a rise of this now uh, more and more with a younger demographic getting away from email and focusing more on SMS. Again, looking to our database, um, CRM targeting, specifically uh, using for that to target social media advertising like Facebook or Twitter, um, is a phenomenal way to get in front of your audience and and you know introduce um, not only new messaging, but a new channel, a new way to reach them. Yeah, you want to get away from just boosting posts mm-hmm, please. Or, or targeting posts using uh, tar- targeting ads via whatever uh, uh, mechanisms within the system because if you're targeting your current customers you have that database you can upload that to Facebook have it do the match in order to go back and, and build you uh, a custom audience within Facebook or Twitter that you can go and get exactly the right content in front of for grow and give so you're not targeting cross sells upsells or please give us a referral to people who aren't existing customers. And not only that, and I'm a little tangent here, but you upload that list and you've got some really great analytics and you have the ability to do some sort of self-checking on the personas that you've developed and and see if there's any places that you need to make some changes or modifications. So, um, you know, an extra little added benefit of that CRM targeting on social media. Um, You can do that same CRM targeting also on the web. Uh, AdRoll allows you to upload that system as well as uh, I believe that AdWords has a customer match uh, functionality as well where you can upload your lists and then target display advertising at them. There are some caveats here, though. If your audience is too small, if you're more a small business or a boutique firm that only has a handful of customers, you're going to hit hit limits pretty quickly on the on the size of your list because you have to have so many matches in order to be able to market to that list. For Facebook, it's like 20, and that's not that hard to hit for most businesses. But for the web, you start getting into like 50 people. And when you start looking at, do I have 50 advocates that I can match with an email address to a cookie online. That actually means having more like a hundred advocates and that can be a a harder hill to climb for some businesses. Web retargeting is another option. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, uh, I think you meant paid search retargeting, right? So, um, we start getting into paid search. Google AdWords actually has a mechanism to show different ads to your customers. And this is comes through a functionality called remarketing lists for search advertising, which just rolls off the tongue. That's why most people refer to it by the acronym of um, RLSA. Uh, but it allows you to target different pay-per-click ads to your existing customers so that if they go to Google you or Google uh, a relevant product to what it is that you're selling, 
um, their ads can focus more on reminding them why they love you or maybe ask them, hey, you haven't referred us lately or can you give us a review or something along those lines. I totally forgot about that. And that, I think, speaks. It's a testament to how many different options we have here. Um, I was actually thinking of web retargeting where we place a pixel um, when someone either logs into the website or into our support site, and then we're able to follow them around the web with mm. different display advertising. Yeah. And if you're really, if you can get the, 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 the software developers uh, involved in this, you can actually create um, uh, create retargeting pools off of your, your, your segmentation within your customer database. So this requires you to have an online presence that somebody has to log into. But once they log in, um, the website has a direct connection back to the database supporting it. So if you have everybody segmented in your database as grow or give, now you just push that information up to the website um, and and push the right pixel to the right people, and you're you're guaranteed to get it right because it's they had to log in in order to get the pixel. But you have to give they have to have a reason to log into your site, and not every business gives them that. That's true. The same thing is true if you have a mobile app. Um, if you have a mobile app, um, uh, chances are they've authenticated with the mobile app, or even if just by virtue of having the mobile app, you know that they're a customer, and now you can send them um, uh, those uh, notifications, uh, the mobile notifications, where it'll pop up on their phone. You want to use this with caution and limitation because it could got, drive people to just uninstall your app. But if you use it here and there and you're adding value, it can be a valuable way to get in front of, of your audience as well. And then finally, um, website personalization. And this requires either a login, um, you know, targeting through IP targeting or, you know, having a cookie. But it allows you to personalize that web experience based on that user, whether it's, it's their journey state or their persona or a combination of both. Exactly, exactly. Now, this is easy, relatively easy to do. If we're selling direct to our customers and we have to ship product to them so we know their address or they have to have a login into our website to buy from us or um, we have a, a, a CRM system because our account account people are talking to our customers every day, um, doing this sort of of, of direct um, interaction with our customer base and knowing whether they're grow or give is pretty easy, but it gets a lot more complicated if you have a complex distribution channel and your your product goes to a distributor or a rep who then they make a deal with another distributor and then it ends up in retail. The retail outlet finally makes the sale to the customer and you're like, I have no idea where my product went. And there's a lot of businesses that are, that are in this situation. And um, while it is more work, it's not impossible. Yeah, you, you really just need to come up with some creative tactics to close that loop. Um, and so this is where you get into rebates or warranty cards and other things like that to force that um, that consumer or incentivize that consumer to come back and interact with you online, either pre- prior to the purchase in the case of a coupon or post-purchase in the case of some sort of add-on or, or promotion. Um, you know, my son got a... Um, the safe version of uh, Exploding Kittens, uh, which is a, a game put out by the the author of The Oatmeal. And um, right there um, in the top of the Exploding Kittens box, there was a, a, a yes, there is a game called Exploding Kittens. I, I have no idea what it is, but every time you say Exploding Kittens, I just, I can't keep a straight um, face. But right there in the top of the box, it was, you know, visit our website for a free gift. And of course, what they're doing there is they're closing that loop because we bought that game through Amazon. And and then uh, we, uh, you know, Amazon reports the sale back to 
um, the, the publisher, and then the publisher may or may not report the sale back to the author, and the author really wants the database of who bought his game, and so um, this gives him the ability to do that by offering some free offer if you go out and register uh, or, or just take advantage of it with a unique code, um, allowing you to get that, that, that special offer. And then I think um, another, another opportunity there is looking for co-marketing opportunities with your distribution channel. And that allows you to build that database and, and those cookie pools. And, um, you know, typically your distribution channel is, is open to having additional marketing help. So it's, it's not a hard ask, but it does require some, again, creativity um, and some coordination. Yeah, if you just reach out to your distributors and say, hey, can you give us your database? They're going to be like, no. But if you reach out to your distributors and say, hey, we're offering free marketing. Oh, free marketing. Okay, I'll take that. And all of a sudden, the nature of the conversation goes completely different. So we've talked about uh, the different ways that we can reach this audience and market to them. But, you know, we talked earlier about we've got some some subtle differences in, in the content that we put out to grow or give. So how do we know if someone is in grow versus give? Um, partly, we can we can detect the different types of content that they're engaging with. So if we are... Um, uh, if we have content out on our site that talks about um, a referral program, well, if they're visiting the referral program page, chances are they're at least open to the idea of referring us. So if we have content or blog posts or or various things for them to interact with, either coming out through email or uh, direct on the site that indicate that they are at least open to the idea of singing our praises, then we can move them from from grow over to give. And just like the bridge content we've used in our other journey states, um, we're going to want to dangle some of our give offers or div- give messaging to our, our grow audience so that we're able to identify who is so engaged with our product and attuned to our brand that they want to refer us to their family and friends. And again, to Steve's point, this becomes their engagement with that content or with those direct response ads, that becomes the signal to our marketing automation that someone has moved from grow to give. I like to follow basically an 80-20 rule. So we're going to want to put 80% of our, our messaging to our our current customers that we believe are in grow. It should be focused on cross-sells, upsells, um, uh, engaging more with the products or services they already own. And 20% of that should be driving um, that referral or uh, um, review type activity or social advocacy type activity. And, and that's, that's uh, the, the, the bridge content that helps us detect that. And then if they do move over to give, then we flip that. 20% of our content is now focused on cross-sells, upsells to make sure that we aren't missing any major opportunities there. But 80% of our content is now focused on that referral or, or advocacy type of component. And that way, that way we're, we're focusing our priorities where they should be, where, where we're going to drive the most opportunity or revenue from that audience. But we're not neglecting the opportunity to either detect when somebody has made that leap to, to where they're now in give and, or um, losing the opportunity to, to cross-sell and upsell to those that are in that give state. Now, if you're running a net, pro- net promoter score program, then um, typically you can sort of break this out in that you, between your, your grow and your give and that your uh, give audience, sorry, as I get this backwards, um, your give audience is going to primarily be your nines and tens. Um, and then your grow audience will be on the on the lower end of that spectrum. Yeah, depending on where your bell curve lands on your net promoter score, it might be just your tens. It could be your nines and your tens. You want to look at look at where where people have fallen. Um, but definitely a great opportunity to mine that data if you're already running an NPS program. 
How do we measure success when it comes to uh, Grow and Give? Yes. So how we measure success for Grow and Give is actually going to differ based on our two different journey states. And this is very important, and I mentioned this before, but if you are in an organization who um, maybe you're focused on customer new customer acquisition um, and you want to sort of change that conversation, talking about these specific metrics is going to appeal to your C-suite and make it easier to make it happen. So when we're talking about Grow, there's really two different metrics that we can we can look at. The first of those is attributable revenue from marketing activities. So this is our upsells and our cross-sells. What additional revenue were we able to bring to the table by marketing to our current customers? You have to be a little bit careful here because you don't want to be taking away credit from uh, those people on the front lines that might be making some of these sales happen. So if you're uh, an organization where you have your your customer reps or your account managers or um, uh, account executives that are on the front line making and closing these deals, you don't want to necessarily take credit from them. But you also want to um, make sure that you can you can demonstrate that um, those people who were cross-sold or upselled uh, engaged with our marketing activities here, 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 and here, right? And show how there there is a correlation between the marketing activities they engaged with and the increase in revenue or sales. If you don't have a front line, eh, take credit for it all because you don't have to worry about it. But if, if you do, you have to you know, maybe walk a little gingerly here because just like you don't want to annoy sales too badly on taking credit for their work, you don't want to uh, uh, you know, annoy your customer service or account management or whatever you call that front line with your existing customers by taking too much credit from them. That's a good point, but I think it's also important to recognize that similar to our relationship with sales, um, you know, we're not a separate entity from that, that customer service team or that frontline team. And so as marketing, where can we identify opportunities to help them um, to close those sales or to, you know, upsell those products or cross-sell those products? And, um, you know, any time that we can have that brand consistency, that consistency in messaging from what they're seeing online or what they're getting in their emails or even what they're seeing in traditional advertising to what they're experiencing experiencing with our frontline team members, that's a huge win. And we want to be able to, to look for that. So similar to the relationship that we've built with sales and, and the support that we provide to sales, we want to find that same opportunity with our frontline team members as well. Now, the other metric for grow, because it's not just growing into customers, it's also retaining customers. So the other metric you want to look at is churn rate. And how can you uh, improve or reduce churn rate when it comes to your existing customers using uh, marketing as a vehicle to do that? And so that KPI will be another thing that you want to look at. So if you were to go to your C-suite with these two metrics, um, I would be very surprised if they were not on board with, with looking at potentially expanding um, a marketing program to your current customers. Now, those are our grow. What about when we get into give? So in a give, it's a it's it's straightforward, but it can be a little bit harder to attach directly to revenue because our KPIs here are going to be the number of referrals, which I guess you can pretty easily attach a revenue number to, but also things like reviews and social advocacy. Those get a little bit softer because just because you have a million and one positive reviews out on your website, being able to or on other people's websites, being able to attach that back to uh, a revenue number can be kind of tricky. Um, but it's also a vanity metric that the C-suite probably would appreciate too. So if you can say that you can increase the number of positive referrals and people talking uh, about your, your, your organization in a good light, that, that's something that's going to interest them. In my experience, um, typically the C-suite is very interested in reviews. 
Um, and so, again, it may not necessarily tie directly back to revenue, but it's something that I'm sure is on the radar. Now, social advocacy, however, that is a di- little different angle. That's almost an insurance policy in addition to a marketing amplifier mm-hmm. because if you can build an army of people who love you, then anytime that organization gets in some hot water online, that army will go out and defend it. And that can be a, a hugely beneficial and you know, risk mitigation tactic that the C-suite would also be interested in hearing about. Yes, having worked on um, managing social media accounts before, it's it's a lot easier when your advocates come to your defense and, and you don't necessarily have to, to go and respond to someone who's upset, um, or at least you can respond to them and then you've got other people backing you up. It, it feels pretty good and it makes your job a lot easier. So let's uh, summarize what we talked about today. Um, we, we talked about the different journey states and how Grow and Give is really your customer base versus everybody, every, all the other journey states being you know prospects at that point. Your Grow audience is those that have purchased from you at least once or maybe twice, um, but there's more that they can buy from you. And they're also not really in love with you to the extent that they're going to go out and sing your praises yet. Give are going to be those customers who have purchased your product and are so in love with you that they want to tell others about you. When it comes to content, the content that we create to support our customers universally should reinforce our brand and our value proposition for different reasons between grow and give, but either way, brand is front and center. We also want to make sure that our ask is clear and obvious and that we are actually asking our customers to do things for us. If possible, you want to create a sense of urgency. And at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're reinforcing the purchasing rationale so that that our customers can justify the emotional decision they made, not only to themselves, but to their friends and family and coworkers as well. When it comes to targeting methods, um, targeting methods are going to be identical for grow and give uh, and largely database driven, which is uh, both a benefit uh, or is either a benefit or a detriment, depending on whether your organization is selling directly and you have this massive database to, to now capitalize on or whether you have to sell through a complex distribution channel and you now have a, a bit of an effort in front of you to build that database. And finally, measurement. When we're talking about grow, this is attributable revenue for marketing activities and churn rate. And when we're talking about give, this is referrals, reviews, and social advocacy. Okay, I want to thank everyone for making uh, more than a little time for us this week. If you haven't already, please take a moment and go out to iTunes and give us a review. If you do, um, we will uh, give you a shout out on one of our future podcasts. If you have already, I apologize. We're short reviews right now, so we're not able to read the ones that are out there. But once we can, we will will give you a shout out. And uh, until next week, onward and upward. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast directory. If you want notes and links to resources discussed on the show, sign up to get them emailed to you each week at iterativemarketing.net. There, you'll also find the Iterative Marketing blog and our community LinkedIn group where you can share ideas and ask questions of your fellow iterative marketers. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our username is at I-T-E-R, the number 8, I-V-E, or email us at podcast at iterativemarketing.net. The Iterative Marketing Podcast is a production of Brilliant Metrics, a consultancy helping brands and agencies rid the world of marketing waste. Our producer is Heather Ullman with transcription assistance from Emily Bechtel. Our music is by Seastock Audio Music Production and Sound Design. You can check them out at seastockaudio.com. We'll see you next week. Until then, onward and upward.